The Bill Myers Show podcast is sponsored by Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. Find out more about them at clouserdrilling.com. Once again, more with Bill Myers. 12 minutes after six wheels up Wednesday. Eric Peters will join me talking a great conversation about the open road out in cars and trucks and what's looking good, what's looking bad. Uh, no doubt we'll probably hear more about the uh, complete collapse of uh, infrastructure for the electric vehicles. We'll see about that, but uh, that'll be coming up. Also going to uh, talk to the author of Amateur Hour, and it's a book about Vice President Kamala Harris. Kind of a tell-all uh, right from the beginning. And it's, um, you know, one of the challenges I've always had when it came to uh, Kamala Harris is that there is uh, a certain amount of uh, of guys that will always tend to report on a woman or something that a woman does, and they'll be extremely sexist in their comments about it. It's all, it's it's something they would never say about a guy, you know, the ways that they would uh, would, would talk about that, and uh, you know, and and even things like uh, slept their way to the top or something like that. Well, you know. Doesn't uh, you never hear them really say much about that when the guy does the cheating? You know there are different standards, there are cultural uh, cultural standards, and that's just the way it is. Men and women are different, and there are different expectations of one another. Yes, I know that the progressives are trying to hey, gender is just a construct, uh, Bullstein. Okay, but uh, be that as it may, you know you'd always hear this talk. Well, she just got where she wanted to uh, be from sleeping her way to the top or something like that. And then I try to discount those things. It's like, okay, yeah, okay, we're just talking about sexist boobs. But then I actually watch her and listen to her talk, and you realize this is one of the dumbest individuals ever to get to this level. How do you? How does that happen? And I'm hoping I get a chance to, uh, to ask the author that question. Hopefully he'll uh, check in as he claims he's going to. Uh, the book is starting to make uh, quite a bit of, of noise. I started reading. I just, only had time to glance through a little bit of it last night. But uh, we'll kick that around around uh, 720 or so. And uh, State Senator Dennis Linthicum is going to be back on uh, talking election integrity, kind of uh, breaking down the the disagreements that, uh, that Senator Linthicum had with uh, Jackson County Commissioner Colleen Roberts about uh, voter disenfranchisement. And... I really do see both sides of it because, you know, when you talk about uh, the problems with the voting system all the time, you don't want it to get to the point where people are discouraged to vote because it is the only way to express a choice at this point of time. Uh, but I'm with Senator Linthicum in that you're kidding yourself if you think that Oregon has an open and transparent and uh, truly an election system that can be audited when because of state rules – you have to spend almost a million dollars before you could get a chance to examine the ballots of an election. This is the one in Jackson County. This had to do with that uh, that lawsuit that was filed. Now, I know they asked for a bunch of other things too, and the and the counties are probably, you know, upset about that in that lawsuit. But you have to start someplace, and you know, Jackson County, big county, and there's a lot of influence. I mean, one of the larger counties and. You get these little leaks in, into the system, and you know, the cracks in the surface that you can see what's going on. Like uh, with um, the gentleman I had on the show a few months ago who ended up, uh, yeah, Cal Martin. Cal Martin bringing in here with, uh, with all these, uh, these foreign nationals, non-American citizens, getting ballots sent to them at a hotel 
the motels that they were staying in as they were getting ready to uh, to go to work or learn how to drive truck. You know, they had visas. They're here legally. But, you know, motor voter gets them uh, in here. And here's more loose ballots going into the system that could have been uh, used for hanky panky. You have the Voter Rights Act back in the 1990s that makes it difficult to clean the rolls. And and then everything is vote by mail. There's no chain of custody. None. No chain of custody. You just you know drop it in the box, and hopefully it's uh, that's you that actually wrote it. And I and I get these reports every time, but but we're but it's kind of like the COVID thing. We're told there's nothing to see here. Move along. I'm a little irritated by that. And I'm not saying that uh, county cur- local county clerks are sitting there and uh, and miscounting or or putting finger or thumbs on the scale, but we're working within a corrupt system. You essentially have a secretary of state that uh, comes up with all uh, all sorts of rules. And, well, you know, we have to find out a way to make sure that people can't examine ballots after an election. Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll end up using that law. It says uh, you can't uh, let anybody, anything out there that might have uh, someone's personal information on it. So somebody stupidly signs their name on the ballot, which they're not supposed to do. Oh, if if that ended up getting out somehow, the entire republic would collapse. Much better to charge anybody that wants to audit an election a million dollars in time. You know, charge them a million dollars in order to make sure that, oh, someone's stupid identifiable name that they put on it that you're not supposed to. Uh, that 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 could get out there. That could be in an exam. That could be in an exam. Some oh my gosh, you know the uh, the election system would collapse. You know that kind of thing. You know under you know they do this under the rubric of we're going to protect your we're going to protect your privacy so much out there that we're going to make sure that nobody can afford or have the time to wait around to audit an election. And whatever you can't audit cannot be just automatically uh, trusted. And that's why I continue to insist that. Yeah, I'm going to vote, but we have a faith-based election system in the state of Oregon. You're hoping your best that everything's okay and that uh, the Democrats aren't uh, aren't stuffing as many ballots using all those loose ballots that uh, float around, stuffing the ballot box by uh, floating it around and using people that have uh, moved away. You know, you just don't know. You can't audit it. It's not transparent. And the rules uh, almost ensure that you can't make it transparent. Like I said, the uh, you know Jackson County estimated that uh, for them to do what um, uh, the Dennis Linthicum and uh, State Senator Kim Thatcher lawsuit was uh, was asking for uh, before they could turn over the ballots for their examination, it would be close to a million dollars in time because you're going to have to hire people and they're going to have to look at every single ballot. Look back and forth, back and forth, and make sure that nobody put any personally identifiable information on it. That's BS. That might be the rules coming down from the Secretary of State, but that's BS. That's just total, you know, all should have happened is that uh, uh, Thatcher and Lindicum go down to uh, county courthouse and say, okay, uh, just give me the ballot on, uh, uh, give me all the votes. You know, give me all the ballots to take a look at it and uh, give it to them on a DVD. Charge them a couple hundred bucks or 300 bucks or whatever it is. Just show the scans and you're done. That's all that should matter. In an open and transparent system, that's all that would happen. But that's not the way it's happening right now. So I understand the feathers that are getting ruffled. 
by the Thatcher and uh, in Linthicum lawsuits. But it needs to happen because we just walk around here in a uh, kind of in a semi-sleepy state about this thing. Well, you know, we have good people in the election systems in Jackson and Josephine County and things like that. There, there's nothing to look at. Well, it's not about them. It's about what's on the voter rolls. Anyway, we'll talk more about that with him. At least I kind of gave you a little uh, prequel of where I would see this going, okay? Speaking of the voter rolls and everything else that are going on, no big surprise last night. Former President Donald Trump wins New Hampshire uh, primary handily. Deep stater uh, Nikki Haley, still in the race, insists that she's going to go on, although the uh, polling is indicating that she'll be crushed in North Carolina, her home state. And that'll be... um, But anyway, she's going to keep uh, moving on, moving on, moving on. And I'd love to know who was encouraging her. You know, the donors that are saying, hey, it's okay, there's a path forward to victory. There is no path to victory for her, unless, unless the plan is to take out Trump somehow. And read between the lines all you want. I, I'm not even going with the, the between the lawfare and everything else. There are all sorts of ways, but you got that. Another interesting story this morning in The Hill. America's top priority is immigration. More voters pointed to immigration than to inflation as a top policy concern in January, according to a Harvard Caps-Harris poll released this week. The survey finds 35% of respondents listed immigration as their paramount concern. Inflation a close second, named by 32% of respondents. Yep. And we're in a situation now where uh, the Constitution is being completely ignored. And by a 5-4 vote, by the way, uh, Amy Coney Barrett ended up uh, caving and ended up uh, joining the the already compromised uh, John Roberts. And in essence, uh, saying that borders don't matter. And if the United States of, uh, you know, United States of America government doesn't enforce the borders, nobody else is allowed to enforce the uh, the border rules either. And fortunately, Texas is just saying, screw you, we're going to keep doing it. And they're setting up a, a pretty big conflict. Maybe this is how the Civil War kicks off. I don't know. Second Civil War. But of course, even the first Civil War wasn't about control of the government. Yeah, a lot of people, we call it a Civil War. It really wasn't a Civil War. It was a war against secession because the South wanted to uh, try to leave and go away. That wasn't allowed, right? Uh, You know, you join the mafia and you're not allowed to leave the mafia. Otherwise, the mafia kills you. That's essentially what Lincoln did. And I know that's not what we were taught in uh, government school, but that's the truth of the matter. It's about secession. A country that was born of secession then had a president that said, nope, it's illegal to do secession, even though there had been all sorts of secession movements prior to the war between the states in the 1860s. Something else we didn't learn in uh, government school, right? I've been spending my entire lifetime recovering from uh, from government school. Let's see, a little closer to home here. The Demon Cats have unveiled a proposed Measure 110 fix, and Willamette Week reporting on it, Niall Jack, uh, Jack, Jake was rather reporting on this, Legislature's Joint Committee on Addiction and Community Safety Response released a plan to respond to soaring overdose deaths. The plan includes a proposal to recriminalize the possession of most drugs by making possession a Class C misdemeanor. This would undo a part of Measure 110 that the voters uh, insanely 
approved by 58% the other year. There are numerous other proposals included in the plans that the Democrats released, including making it easier for people to obtain treatment, insurance coverage, and housing, for example, and increasing the workforce of treatment providers. Yes, indeed. Let's continue to build up that nonprofit racket world here. Maybe Melissa Jones will have to change from stabbing wagons. She'll have to start providing drug treatment then in order to keep the money coming in at some point. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, Andy Coe. Executive Director of the Partnership for Safety and Justice, treating the tens of thousands of Oregonians suffering from addiction as criminals is pointless, irresponsible, and profoundly wasteful. See, I told you, the nonprofit rackets are instant. Even though this is thin gruel, what the Democrats are proposing, thin gruel, it's misdemeanors, you know, and there's still not really a stick to get people into treatment, you know, to force them to do so. But the nonprofit rackets, the people who eat your tax dollars in order to provide services with your resources, they're howling like stuck pigs at the possibility that there might be any kind of recriminalization of street drugs here. Because the fewer people addicted and on street drugs, the less money coming in for their nonprofit rackets. That's the bottom. It's always about the money, isn't it? This is the Bill Meyer Show on KMED KCMD. Oh, by the way, the Republicans are saying it's, uh, it doesn't go far enough, and I would tend to agree with them on that, too. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable Internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Your smile is the key to your health and confidence. Did you also know that research has concluded people have almost as much fear about finding a new dentist as they do about going to the dentist? Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Johnson, and here at Dental Excellence, we value the confidence and trust our patients have in us. My 20 years of experience in thorough training equals comprehensive dental care. From creating that perfect filling or doing that perfect root canal in my dental microscope to restoring a patient's confidence with implant-supported dentures, we can do it all here. Here at Dental Excellence. For those who need, I am highly trained and certified in IV sedation and the art of creating a comfortable, relaxed, stress-free environment. Are you looking for friendly, compassionate, personal care? Come and join our excellent dental family. Call 541-779-6170 today for a free consultation. Dental Excellence. Dental Excellence. Changing lives, one smile at a time. Winter in Oregon. It means rain. Waterlogged soil expands as it saturates, and that pressure can impact your home's foundation, sometimes even allowing the rain to get into your home. Terra Firma Foundation Systems can help. We've got your back. Terra Firma is the Northwest solution for safer foundations and dry basements and crawl spaces. One easy call can protect your home this winter. Click GoTerraFirma.com. Schedule a free evaluation. CCB 173547. That's GoTerraFirma.com. Hi, this is Mark from Jay Austin, and I'm on KMED and KCMD. 628. Mark's going to join me on the show tomorrow. We're going to talk a bit about the uh, conversation on the sighting of 5G towers. He's been getting involved a lot in uh, well, asking a lot of questions of local government. If that's something which interests you, Mark will be in studio 
Actually, no, he won't be in studio. We'll probably be on the phone. Yeah, but I'm going to call him at uh, about 8.15. He's not able to make it in, but uh, Mark's a good guy. Mark and Andrea over at J. Austin & Company, Gold and Silver Buyers. Let me go to Deplorable Patrick. Hey, DP, how are you doing this morning? Welcome. What's on your mind? Good morning, Bill. I'm doing good. I'm ready to kick and fight and uh, try to maintain my credentials as a deplorable. Okay. I want to... I want to. Well, it's constant work, you know. You that can't just be let sit. Well, yeah. If you're going to be uh, deplorable, you have to be uh, working to uh, to you know crack and break things, right? Always yeah, doing. Yeah, that. that's mm-hmm. exactly it. And and uh, so, in order to do that, be a good deplorable best I can. I want to propose a solution, and I know the Democrats will hate me for this, which I like. Because they prefer problems. They don't want solutions. That's how Democrats are. Mm -hmm. And uh, the solution to the ballot, the thing about requiring a thorough examination of all the ballots before we can look at them, you tell me whether this is something we could easily put in place, but it would be on the ballot at the top and at the bottom Mm -hmm. is a notification. If you put any personal information on here, it's on you. Do I, not put. I and, like that. And, I like I like that very much. If you put any personally identifying information on this, uh, just understand that this is a public record, right? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, what do you think it would take to get that done? I don't uh, know. Well, it would take some Republicans in the legislature that would be willing to go to the mat and do some horse trading in order to have that happen, because you know damn well. Uh, Democratic Party likes the way the current uh, voting system that was put in place is. They like the fact of uh, no transparency and that you can't look at the ballots. And <laughs> there's your challenge. And now, and, and by the way, if we were in Texas, it would be the Republican Party wanting to do this. It's like whatever party is in control is quite happy with the status quo. You understand that. So I'm not making this just a Democratic Party thing, but Democrats, in my opinion, have uh, have done the best job overall nationally of the vote steal of of making sure that uh, we can legalize and make hinky look perfectly okay and passable. So just saying, that's the way I'm looking at this. Yeah. So it would be a high yeah. it, it would be a high lift. You know, actually telling people, I mean, it's bad. Well, look at what they've done. Everything about it first is like, well, you can't. It's just way too difficult to go and talk to the to the nice uh, blue haired lady. You know, at the uh, you know at the precinct, and then sign in and be present. You know, being present is so 1990. You know, be actually being present and showing your ID to vote. That is so 1990. And then it came. Oh no, it's voting by mail, and you have to come up with a stamp and pay for it. You're being disenfranchised. It's so uh, well. Now we have to pay for that. You know that 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 sort of thing too. Then telling people that you're responsible. If you put any information that's personally identifiable on your ballot, do you know how, how, oh my gosh, that someone's feelings might be hurt? I know. It's almost yeah. unthinkable. In today, in today, I'm being sarcastic, of course, but you get my drift, right? You get it. Yeah. And uh, I want to just insert something of a kind of second. The way we wound up in this is this like uh, the Chinese uh, wedding ring thing. You. We went to mail uh, vote by mail because gas prices went all the way up to 60 cents a gallon. And we're going to save you a lot of money. You just put this thing in the mail. Was that how it was sold? I forget. I forget about yep. that. And hmm. 
this was back in the early 70s when cars were getting 12 miles a gallon, 14 maybe. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting, you know, 40, but we still got this idiotic system. All right. Right there with you there. You are uh, still uh, deplorable in my view. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I'll, I'll think up something to uh, add to that uh, in the next round. All right. Thank you, Bill. Keep breaking stuff. Okay. It's a uh, 632 KMED KCMD. We'll talk with Eric Peters. Wheels up Wednesday. Next. Choosing a company to drill your well is a major decision. You have a lot to consider. Experience, reputation, equipment, price, and most importantly, the finished project. Clouser Drilling stands behind their work and guarantees materials and workmanship. Quality and integrity has helped Clouser Drilling grow to be one of the largest drilling companies in the state. They provide the best overall value and make sure the job is done right. Competent and capable. That's Clouser Drilling. Call today for a free written estimate, 476-7795. Visit clouserdrilling.com. The Road Gardener is sponsored by Grange Co-op, and if you want to go organic, hey, that's great. However, see, organic fertilizers are not ready to use by the plant. They have to be worked on by soil bacteria to break them down into a usable form. It has to be in contact with the soil, and better if it's a couple, you know, an inch or two down. Call the Road Gardener live Saturdays 10 to noon and catch the Sunday morning encore at 9 on 106.3 KMED and 99.3 KCMD. News sponsored by Caveman Heating and Air. It's the climate and we control it. Call Caveman Heating and Air at 541-476-0009 or cavemanheating.com. Good morning. I'm Molly Smith with your NBC5 morning news update. The Jackson County District Attorney says a homeowner was justified in fatally shooting a suspect who broke into his home last year. According to the District Attorney's Office, 51-year-old Gordon Wilson broke into a Shady Cove home just after 2 a.m. on November 21st. The homeowner said he heard glass breaking and grabbed a handgun before going to see what was happening. Wilson charged toward him after taunting the homeowner to pull the trigger. The homeowner then fired multiple times until Wilson stopped moving toward him. The DA says four other adults were in the home at the time of the incident, including the homeowner's girlfriend, who had an active stalking order against Wilson, which forbid any contact between the two. An autopsy revealed Wilson was shot eight times, and the DA says under Oregon law, a person can use deadly force if the other person is actively burglarizing a property or about to use deadly physical force against another person. And the Oregon Chocolate Festival has another way to party this year. In true Wonka fashion, organizers are putting on Charlie's Chocolate Run. The run is for all ages and with 1 mile, 5K, and 10K options, and will start at Emigrant Late. Also, costumes are encouraged. The festival runs March 1st through 3rd, with the run taking place on the 3rd. You can head to OregonChocolateFestival.com to register. And that's a look at your morning headlines. For NBC5 News, I'm Molly Smith. Do you have an electrical checklist at your house that needs to be completed? Call Completed Electric Plus. Need a dimmer switch installed? Completed. Fan installation? Completed. Breaker problem? Completed. New plug by your favorite chair? Completed. Electrical jobs around the house get completed quickly, expertly, and affordably with licensed techs from Completed Electric Plus. Specializing in residential electric jobs, call Completed Electric Plus and check those jobs off your list. Visit them at completedelectricplus.com. 
Happy holidays from Collaborative Publishing Solutions. This holiday season, CollabPub would like to thank our sponsor, Team Senior Referral Services. Team Senior Referral Services can simplify your search for assisted living, memory care, and adult foster homes, in-home care, and home health. And their services are 100% free. Visit them online at teamsenior.org or call today at 541-295-8230. And thank you again for sponsoring Collaborative Publishing Solutions. The phones are ringing at Fontana Roofing as word gets out about their metal roofing division. Let's be a fly on the wall. Yes, sir. That'll be ready for pickup on Tuesday afternoon. Absolutely. Thanks for the call. See you Tuesday. Let me guess. Another order for a metal roof pickup? Third one this week. Hmm. I'm getting pretty good at this. I'm feeling, um, pole barn and prospect. No. House and hilt. Uh-uh. Garage and gold hill. Nope. Cabin and Kino. Colder. Riding arena and rouge? Freezing. A fort and Fort Klamath? Brr, I'm so cold, I can't feel my toes. I was running out of alliterations. Well, you were on the right track. Warehouse in White City. Well, that was my next guess. Uh-huh. But I can choose the color. Go. Brown. No. Green. Eh. Try again. Gray. That's a big negatory. Ghost Rider. Whether you'd like your metal roof manufactured and installed on site, or you're picking up to do it yourself, you can safely guess Fontana Roofing will create a metal roof that's perfect for your project. Visit FontanaRoofingServices.com. Black Fuchsia. I'm done. 106.3 KMED, 99.3 KCMD. This is the Bill Meyer Show. 637 Wheels Up Wednesday. Every Wednesday, I talk with Eric Peters, automotive journalist at epautos.com. Who is uh, continue? I, I guess the uh, the blooms off the Tesla rose still, isn't it? This morning, uh, Eric, welcome back. It's always good to talk. Well, to you. it looks like. Uh, what was the headline about uh, the EV winter is setting in <laughs> and the double entendre behind that? <sighs> and now comes the latest news about the cyber fraud. The cyber fraud. This having to do with the cyber truck, the Tesla yep. cyber truck here. And yep. and I and by the way, I don't want to engage in uh, in in Schadenfreude, you know, on on something like this because there are many things that Elon Musk has done that I have great admiration for, and there are other things I'm just going, oh my gosh, you're you're funding for all of this through the EV uh, tax credit grift on the taxpayers, so I get irritated on yep. that. So yep. I do not look at him as an ally, but it's not an anti Elon Musk screed. But we have to be honest about where we find ourselves with these uh, we do. these technologies. And, and really, it's not just about Tesla and not about Musk. This is about electric cars generally. I, I focused on the Cybertruck just to make the point. This is the, their latest release of a new model. Everybody knows about the Cybertruck. And it's turning out that the advertised 320-mile range is off considerably. Uh, the, the people who bought them are reporting that they, they are averaging anywhere from 160-something to just over 200 miles of range on the thing, which is absolutely outrageous. I've been getting into a back and forth with somebody on my site about the thing, and I've been test driving new cars for 30 years, so I've, I have test driven thousands of cars over the years, new cars, and not one of those cars has, has dumped its, its advertised mileage by 30 or 40 percent or even 20. And if they did, people would be suing them, uh, suing them in federal court. Big time, and they have, you know, over the fraud. In the past, Hyundai, that happened to Hyundai about eight years ago. And it would happen to any other, any other car maker. But somehow you get this weird exemption for these battery-powered devices. And you also have something else that's fascinating to me. Uh, it's turned out that the government has fudged the numbers and the way they calculate what the mileage is, the ranges of these EVs. That broke a couple of days ago. Uh, and so we have the government cheating on its own tests. And yet the same government went after Volkswagen mercilessly 
uh, for supposedly cheating on its emissions certification tests. All they did, of course, was to program their cars to do well on the tests, and every car company does that, I can tell you. And the point is that nobody was hurt by that, but look at the fraud that's happened now with these EVs, because people have been told, you buy one of these things, it will go a certain distance, and it doesn't. And not only does it, does it not, it goes considerably less than that. I have driven a bunch of these things, and almost all of them will average 20% less than advertised. And if it's cold out, it's much worse than that. That's a criminal fraud. And by the way, it's also an environmental fraud, if you think about it. Uh, these vehicles are consuming more power to go less far. Well, where does that power come from? The majority of it comes from burning hydrocarbon fuels. The dread gas carbon dioxide is being emitted, so let's hoist them on their own environmental petard. But of course we won't, because that runs contrary to the agenda. Eric, how does, uh, you had talked about the story breaking the other day, that the federal government ended up uh, committing a fraud or cheating mm -hmm. on the way they would evaluate the mileage of an electric yep. vehicle, not just the Teslas. I mean, Tesla always gets yep. mentioned because they're the largest yeah, market share of EVs yep. by far. Okay, so you're, you're naturally going to get that. But what did the federal government do? Because they have had a heavy thumb on this scale for yep. a number of years now. Well, they do a bunch of things. One thing that they do is to not factor in uh, generating uh, losses in efficiency in terms of producing electricity and transmitting it. And then they also use a really abstruse mathematical formula to weight the, uh, the end result number that you see on the window sticker. And it's extremely misleading. And the point is that it's deliberately misleading. They know what they're doing, and they're doing it to foster a false impression of the capability of these vehicles. And, you know, it's percolating outward now. They can't suppress it any longer because there are enough EVs out there that ordinary people who bought them are finding out the truth. It's kind of like the safe and effective vaccines. Mm, I find it interesting. I was uh, watching a few YouTube videos last night, and uh, YouTube must have looked at what sort of stuff I've watched before. And I watch a lot mm -hmm. of car content. And uh, one of the ones that they served up were uh, people trying to get their Tesla started at a supercharger. This was a year ago, in the last mm -hmm. winter. It was something that mm -hmm. had done, and they were plugging it in, and it was just, uh, it was like minus 13, wherever they were, minus yep. 13 degrees. And it was like an hour and a half just before the battery got warm enough that they could yep. actually start really charging it. So they're just putting tons of electricity in it just to warm the brick the ice cube yep. brick, you know, essentially is what happened. And, you know, the guy was just trying to be honest. Hey, this is the, what it's like in real life when you're using yep. these vehicles. So yep. uh, apparently the electric vehicle is perfect if you're in an area in which it's never too cold or never too hot. I mean, that's about it, right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, and if they were honest about it, it would be, you know, Akio Toyota actually came out and talked about this the other day. The, the, uh, the former, uh, well, he's the, the scion of the Toyota family. Mm -hmm. He was ousted from his position a few months ago. We talked about all, that on the radio. Yeah, because he didn't really want to uh, kiss the behind of the EV agenda. He didn't think that was a yeah, good idea. Yeah, but you know, smart guy. He, he, he kind of bowed out, and now he has the great pleasure of coming in and saying, I told you so. And, and what he's saying is that at best... Uh, these EVs might at one point become 30% of the, of the total vehicle fleet. That's if they're not, you know, forced on everybody and mm -hmm. we have no other alternative because they're just not suitable for most people, and that's the bottom line. There are people in which uh, electric vehicle, I think, is a perfectly appropriate choice, and that's fine. You do that, and I've, I've never been anti-electric vehicle. In fact, I still think that uh, there's a case to be made for uh, you know, the uh, the FedEx or the UPS truck type thing where you go back to the same hive each night and you, ha and you have pretty much a fixed route. You're going about the same, a very predictable 
uh, amount of miles every day. It makes sense. I could see that actually penciling in some cases. That'd be all right, but they don't want to do it that way. For They want to force everybody into it, absolutely everyone into the maw of this agenda. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that would be the free market approach. You know, you'd have different vehicles, different kinds of attributes that would suit different purposes. And if it were a free market, people and businesses could look at the options and decide, hey, that that makes the most sense for me. I'm going to go with that option. But when it comes to these totalitarians that have taken control of the government, it's their choice. And that choice becomes our only choice. Yeah. Even look at the uh, postal uh, service. Now, I know that the postal services uh, use these uh, these old Cushmans. I think is what they are. Old design uh, uh, Cushman. Grumman uh, Long Life Vehicles, actually, I think. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought they were Cushmans. But anyway, uh, set that aside. Uh, they they are pretty reliable vehicles, but they also mm-hmm. are rather piggish you know, when it comes yeah. right down to it. And, and everybody knows it. And they also stop a lot. Anything which stops a lot for every, uh, you know, uh, in, for every delivery or every, uh, you know, every time the... Uh, the, the male people come by. They stop at the hive, at the hive, and they're there for many minutes. You know, as they're putting out all and all the mail deliveries and such. Those are perfect examples of uh, electric vehicle advantage type uh, situations. You know that kind of use. You know, but on the other hand, uh, over the road trucks going thousands of miles a day or a week. Or, no, not necessarily. Yeah. It, it it doesn't pencil. It just doesn't. Yeah, it, it's preposterous and it's destructive. It's counterproductive in that if we had a free market, the EV, the designers of EVs could focus on the strengths of the EV, which are short distance stop and go type scenarios, not uh, having to operate at the cross purpose of getting out on the highway and traveling for a couple hundred miles at a time at 75 miles an hour. That that is that that undermines all of the potential merits of the EV. So you've got that additional thing to take into consideration as a side effect as well. I'm talking with Eric Peters, and it's a great article on EPAutos.com called Ten Thousand Miles uh, Cyber Swindle." Because what they did is that uh, this story is about someone that actually drove ten thousand miles on their Tesla truck. You know, the big uh, cyber several, truck, not just one. Oh, this several a, rather. This is, a, this is a conglomeration of the reports resulted by a number of people who have bought these things. Uh, and are driving it. It was actually originally published on Inside EVs, which is a website that's very, very friendly toward EVs. Mm-hmm. And the truth is coming out, and the truth is not uh, very helpful for that agenda, I suppose. I wanted to uh, to shift gears here in just a moment, and I, I've talked with other people about this and about the war on the right turn. You have mm-hmm. de- you have dove right into this agenda, and mm-hmm. what is the purpose? of these people that are trying to uh, eliminate the ability to turn right on red, because I find right on red mm-hmm. an amazingly efficient way to, to move traffic through a system. Just me. Yeah, well, that's the whole point. They want to render it less efficient, more to the point, uh, more of a pain. They want to make driving a chore. They want to make it less pleasant. They want to make it more onerous. They want to make it take more time so as to discourage people, so as to discourage people from driving. It's of a piece with those uh, you know those speed humps that you find some some places that that make you slow down to a crawl so you don't rip your car's undercarriage out. Yeah, yeah. Um, stuff like that. You know, it's all about that. You know, we have right turn on red. Actually, when when we had a saner uh, form of government, when they realized it, you know, it's really counterproductive and, and wasteful of energy and time to have people just mindlessly sitting at an intersection when they could look and see it's safe to go. There isn't cross traffic. I can make a turn and traffic would flow more smoothly. Now. All of the efforts are, are intentionally meant to make traffic flow not smoothly. You notice the phenomenon, and it's not accidental, 
of a series of red lights on a, on a given street. They used to be timed so that they would all go green at roughly the same time so that the traffic in that direction would flow. Now one goes red and the other goes green so that you're constantly having to stop and start, stop and start. This is part of a broader agenda of these urban planner types who despise cars, despise driving, and want us all to pedal to work or walk to work or take a government bus or a government train. Who are the people or what uh, what kind of groups are actually backing that? Are there names of these uh, groups that are advocating for no right on red? Oh, I'm sure that there are, but they can all be subsumed under the general title of urban planner types, aided mm-hmm. and abetted by uh, people in the Lugan press, as we say sometimes, like the uh, CNN person uh, that uh, was the focal point of the article that I wrote on the topic. You know, these people just don't like the fact that we like to drive and they want to put a stop to it. And they, they've been they've been doing this for 50 years. Now, okay. Well, I'm kind of curious, though, is is part of this, though, I haven't had a chance to read that article yet. I will, you know, when I get off the air a little bit later on this morning. Is some of this due to uh, are, are they going to try to play the safety card because of uh, well, pedestrians, of pedestrians? I'm wondering, of course. Okay. Ironically, and they set the whole thing up to, to be the problem. You know, you've got cars that have cell phones in them on the dashboard that people are pecking at constantly, and this reliance on advanced driver assistance technology that takes away the responsibility of the driver to pay attention and to drive. And then you've got people who are just, you know, buried their faces in their cell phones as they're walking uh, across intersections and not looking before they do. So all of these problems that have been created by these people, now the solution is to just, you know, stop people from moving anymore. There is a a real problem with uh, vehicle design right now, Eric, that I do think is actually a problem for pedestrians. And is anybody really talking about changing any of this? I'm talking about the massive hood height height and length in which uh, it is next to impossible Mm -hmm. in some cases for some of these uh, big truck vehicles to see a pedestrian if they were walking in front of you at an intersection. No, of course not. In fact, it's getting worse. Uh, you know, the, 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 the structural pillars, the A, B, and C pillars that support the roof are making that problem even worse because they're getting even thicker. And it all has to do with this, this mon- monomaniacal uh, focus of the regulatory state on what they call safety. I mean, building a vehicle so heavily, so thickly, that you can pile drive the thing into an oak tree at 80 miles an hour and probably survive the crash. And that's just fine. Uh, except now you're much more likely to back over or run over somebody who happens to be in the path of the vehicle. You ever get the impression that the regulatory apparatchiks are are always working at cross-purposes for one another? They say they want you to have uh, good mileage, but then the vehicle has to weigh 6,000 pounds, right? And There's a a reason for this, aside from the malevolence of these people, and and, I, I bring up that often because I think it's very relevant. They're incompetent. We have a Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. What in the world is this man doing as the Secretary of Transportation? What are his credentials exactly to be in that job? Uh, My cat has more credentials than he to be in that position. It's outrageous that people like that, who have absolutely no technical experience, no background, whatever, in the real world, uh, in that particular area, are given authority. Think about that. I mean, what I know. Well, hey, I, listen. I think Pete Buttigieg was at his best when he was on maternity leave. You know, <laughs> so. Well, you know, there was a bit. He, a couple of months. I can't remember exactly when it was. But Biden it's nominated husband. somebody to be the head of the FAA, who was not a pilot, who had no experience at all in functional aviation, and and a congressman was interrogating this person and asking, "What in the world are you doing here?" And my question would have been. 
I mean, is there something wrong with you? I, if, if somebody offered me the job of chief of surgery at a major hospital, I would say, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm, I don't know anything about this. I, I shouldn't be in this position. And yet these people don't mind being given authority in areas that they've have got absolutely no business uh, telling anybody else what to do. It's the attack on competence. You know, that that seems I'm mm-hmm. seeing more articles about that these days in which the crisis of competence in which, uh, you know, competence is not to be valued or not to even not. Are you ticking the boxes is all that matters in the United States? Are you ticking the, the correct uh, LGBTQ or the DEI boxes? We know whatever the case might be, rather than what you actually know and where your expertise well, and the lies. politics of it. You know, mm-hmm. Buttigieg is one of these urban planner types. That's his background. Yep. You know, you know, his he's one of these anti-car urban planner people. So naturally, he's the perfect choice for a leftist regime to be in charge of, of the transportation apparatus of this country. And who is completely uh, flat-footed then when you have, well, as an example, the East Palestine, uh, Ohio, a train mm-hmm. derailment. Remember that uh, about a year ago? Yes. Yeah, that sort of thing. Knew nothing, had nothing to do with it, and just absolutely an idiot in his uh, in his response to it. Where a real Secretary of Transportation or Department of Transportation Secretary would have been hands on the uh, would have been hands on, and would have had yeah, some idea. Shame too. Yeah. You know, it, it's it, there's nothing shameful about admitting you're in over your head. This is something that is outside of my capabilities and experience. And the right thing to do in a situation like that. Uh, is to hand the ball off to somebody who's competent to deal with it. If you don't do that, it's not just incompetence. It's something far worse than that. All right. Eric Peters with me, EP Autos, every Wednesday. It's Wheels Up Wednesday here on the Bill Myers Show. And we'll head to your phones. If you have a question for Eric, go ahead. Uh, hi, you're on KMD KCMD with Eric. Who's this? Hey, this is Chris with Grants Pass. I had a uh, comment about the electric vehicle stuff. Sure. I was uh, watching... Me and my wife, when we lay in bed after the kids are asleep, we like to watch uh, Jay Leno's Garage and other car stuff mm-hmm. on TV. And he had the Cadillac uh, Escalade V. I think it was a 2023. I think it was an older mm-hmm. older episode. The thing was cool, you know. I mean, it had like 700 horsepower. But as he's driving it with the, you know, one of the higher ups from Cadillac, I'm not sure exactly who it was. Uh, Leno goes, "So you're probably going to make an electric uh, vehicle version of this at some point." And the guy had this look on his face. He looks back and forth. His we're going. We're going all electric. Uh, our whole portfolio is going electric, and it was like he was. What Buttigieg and Biden were watching him, and he was making sure he was seeing yeah, the right things. Sure. And I was like, "What?" A, I exclaimed in bed. I said, "What an expletive coward!" And that's what I said to my wife. And I, I was kind of. I wish Jay Leno. I mean, he he loves cars. He loves engines. I wish he would have used his platform to say, like, you know, no one wants that. <laughs> Jay's a car guy, but he's also a guy who, who is, uh, apparently, from what I've seen of him, utterly afraid to question any of the, uh, the orthodoxies of our time and just goes along with it, which is really depressing and annoying to me. And yeah, Cadillac has committed to making nothing but battery-powered devices by 2030, and there's a reason for that. You know, the government bought General Motors, effectively, after mm-hmm. the bailouts that occurred back in 2009 or so. Um, and they installed a whole new crew of, of people at the top, a crew of people who are very much all in on this agenda. And this is the general trend that's occurred throughout the entire car industry, and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. All right. Appreciate the call. Good uh, good comment, by the way. Uh, let me go to line three. Hi, KMED, KCMD. You're with Eric. Who's this? Good morning, gentlemen. Jeff and Selma. Hello, Jeff. Hey, uh, you know, Bill, you and I, back in our early days, we bought $50 cars and that sort of thing. And uh, I always left my keys in, which was like a temptation to steal it, I dare you, because the cars that I had, 
you know, you you had to pay attention. Or if you were talking about paying attention while you're driving, well, mm-hmm. you had to pay attention because it's pulling to the right as you're driving down the road, and then when you hit the brakes, well, it pulls to the left. <laughs> yep, so. I, I remember vehicles like that. I had a 65 uh, Chevy van. It was that yeah, you, way. Yeah. And, you know, in the manual steering and the manual brakes, you had to drive it or it drove you. So they were actually more safe than today's cars because it became an act of self-preservation whenever you were going down the road. <laughs> but I completely agree with that. And not only that, it fostered the development of skill. You know, you had to learn how to drive in order to control a car like that. And once you have that skill, ipso facto, you're just a much better driver. Even when you get to the point of driving a car that's inherently more controllable, you still have that skill. Yeah, even the act of a manual transmission, and that's what I learned to drive a car on, uh, was uh, a manual transmission. And I I know you'll laugh when I say this, a 71 Pinto, if you can believe that. I'm not going to laugh. I actually had a buddy in college who had a Pinto wagon. It was a great party vehicle. Yeah, well, the 71 Pinto, of course, that was the first year that was the uh, one with the built-in exploding gas tank. You know that one. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so my friends would always, oh, don't hit him. Don't hit Bill. You know, (laughs) that kind of thing. But, you know, ironically, uh, Ford made millions of those things. Things and the fires were actually trivially, trivially small in number. You had to hit that car just so and yeah. very hard in order for that to happen. Unlike a Tesla, which or any other EV, which might just catch fire sitting in your garage. But although I must say, though, uh, you know, going after Ford, it was what uh, you know the cost to fix the filler. It was a gas filler yep. problem, if I if I yep. recall uh, what was going on there. Yeah, it was the like neck a, would separate from the tank in an accident. Yeah, and it was like a, it would have cost Ford a buck or two. Per vehicle yeah. to have remedied that, and that was unconscionable at the time, I must totally. say. All right. Let me go to uh, line four. Hi, KMED, KCMD. Good morning. Who's this? It's Joel. Yeah, yeah Joel. Hey, go I, ahead. I work, I work at the uh, Exit 789 Chevron truck stop in Hornbrook, which is the only, um, you know, between it's 21 miles to Ashland or 17 miles to Wairika. And we've just moved over a thousand cubic yards of dirt to make an area for a Tesla charging station. And then the contractor came out and said, hey, hey, no. And we came out there, so we had to redo the plan for another uh, spot on the property. And all of a sudden, now the power company says, oh, well, we don't care if you signed a contract. We don't have enough power for you. Oh, that's mm-hmm. wild. So you move yep. all that yard, all, all that uh, ground to put the Tesla supercharger. At, Major trucking. Now, now, is that uh, PG&E or is that uh, Pacific Power? That that, that yeah. runs there, yeah, lovely, isn't it? Okay, wow. Uh, so even after all that, they don't have the juice. Isn't that interesting, Eric? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, because it's not just the physical infrastructure, you know, of, of erecting the the physical fast charger. You've got to get the current to the fast charger. Yeah. It's not like a gas tank, you know, a gas station where you have an in ground tank and the fuel is brought by truck. And then it is put into the tank, and at that point, the pump pumps the, the fuel into your vehicle. You have to conduit, literally. You know, you have to have the electricity that comes from wherever the generating source is, the substation, which could be very far away. Yeah. You know, it has to be fed to those chargers, and that's a really difficult and very expensive thing. You know, we're going to have to uh, get a, a GoFundMe going for Joel, for a, uh, a muzzle for his dog. Every time he calls now, the dogs I, – I think the dog's upset with him every time he, he talks with us. You know, here well, the, it might think he's about to buy an EV, maybe. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> hey, let's talk about uh, some of the vehicles you've been uh, reviewing as of late. Sure. 2024 Honda Pilot is yep. uh, is featured this week. I see a lot of them on the road. And yep. what's the new model like? Is it, is it just the standard? Okay, let me guess. Is it um, 
a 1.64 a 1.64 cylinder dual turbo or is it something different these days no you know and it's first of all i'll say that it's everything a minivan is but doesn't look like it okay you know and that's that's the appeal. You remember when minivans were really popular and every manufacturer had a minivan? Yep. And all of a sudden they're not. And there are only a handful of ones that are still being made. And that's because that look uh, and all of the baggage that apparently goes along with it isn't too popular. But the concept is very sound. You know, to have a vehicle with lots of room in the inside that's got a configurable interior that you can put a lot of stuff in. And now uh, raise it up the, off the ground a little bit, let's say. Uh, give it all-wheel drive. And what have you got? You know, especially if you make it look like it's an SUV, but it's not an SUV, so it doesn't guzzle a lot of gas and it's not difficult to deal with. You've got a great package there. That's essentially what the Pilot and a lot of these crossovers are. And to answer your question, no, it comes standard with Honda's brilliant 3.5-liter V6 wow. that you can no longer get in the Accord. Wow. I, you know, I'm getting to the point where you know, you're always telling me how the, uh, even a six-cylinder is not available in anything and in, in many car models now and then. Uh, now you know, these that's getting to be the case. Even in this class, you look at models, like competitive models for this vehicle, like the Volkswagen Atlas, only mm-hmm. has a four-cylinder engine now. Uh, the Chevy Blazer, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, same thing. Um, so, you know, it is getting to the point where a V6 is an exotic power plant, uh, just as a V12 once was, once upon a time. But here's a vehicle that you can still get that comes with its standard. And it's a really excellent V6. As anybody who's listening to this knows about Hondas, Hondas and Toyotas, uh, those, those V6s that those two manufacturers make are 250,000-mile engines easily. All right. Uh, are there hybrid uh, models available of this, uh, or is this just a pure gra- uh, gasoline play at this point? Pure gasoline okay. right now. Uh, probably they're going to come out with a hybrid, but, you know, why would they? An interesting thing about it, you know, if you look, I did some comparison research before I wrote the article, and if you compare the mileage delivered by the turbo four-cylinder-powered competition, it's negligibly different. You know, the, the V6 gets maybe one mile per gallon less overall, and that in real-world driving works out to absolutely nothing. But the thing about having a six-cylinder as versus a four-cylinder doing the same kind of work is that the six-cylinder will tend to loaf a bit by comparison, less stress on the engine, wouldn't you say? Of course, and it doesn't have a turbo, so you'll never have to replace the turbo, will you, or the intercooler or all the other stuff that comes along with that. Interesting, because it does appear that the 2024 Honda Pilot, very attractive vehicle, but kind of splitting the difference between the C, uh, between an SUV and the minivan. It's a, I think it's a great, great way of, uh, of putting it in between it. Great review. Uh, let me go back to the phones here for a couple, uh, Eric, and then we'll cut you loose so you can go write some okay. more. Uh, hi, KMD, KCMD with Eric Peters. Who's this? Hey, Bill, it's David. Hi, David. Hey, you know, getting back to the traffic controls, I want to tell you, I have a conspiracy theory, but it's but I validated it. So um, there's a tra- there's a traffic light here in Jackson County, and I think there's others, but they basically, there's not a lot of side street traffic. It's a really remote part of the uh, 45 zone. And when you're coming up on this light, there's a, there's a camera on top of it. If you're slowing down for it, right, even though no one's around, it, it'll, if it's red, it'll turn green normally. If, you, if you're going the speed limit 45 way ahead and you know that there's no reason for it to stay red, the light will stay red for such an exaggerated, prolonged time to make you stop, even though there's no one at the intersection. Mm-hmm. I'm certain there's some type of device installed on it to keep just – I don't really know what the purpose is, if it's to prevent speeding or what, but the light – and I go through it so many times a day. I've, like I said, I've verified this is occurring. Um, they put something in the camera to make you stop, basically, this road stop if you hmm. 
if you um, continue momentum way up the road, basically, as if it were to turn green when it should turn green. Which uh, intersection is that? Which road? Well, if you – okay, I'll just say it. Table Rock and Gregory is – and I believe maybe Table Rock and Wilson, but I drive it so much and it's 45 and there's no – there's no traffic at those intersections, so the light would normally, if you slow down, the light will turn green. But if you go 45, a quarter mile up the street, because it, it should be green by the time you get there, that light will stay red until you stop for like five or six seconds. So your theory then uh, is that this is a traffic slowing device, even though it's not ne- necessary, is what you're, you're saying. Part I of that. think that there is, well, there's a sensor on the light, so I'm certain it's, it's detecting you up the road, and if mm-hmm. you aren't slowing down, and, and I mean, maybe someone could ODOT could verify that. But if you just drive through that, I mean, Table Rock's a main thoroughfare. There's a lot of people that drive it, and there might be other people that have experienced that. But that light, it's it's beyond it's be, it's beyond logic the way it stays red. Yeah. Which, have you heard of uh, things like that, Eric? I have. In fact, I affirm and amen what the caller says because we have similar here. And I've often also wondered. I look up at these that these lights, and they all have these little cameras on them now. What's the purpose of that? And I think it's exactly that. I think they're attempting to to real-time direct the flow of traffic. And, of course, they can direct it any way that they want. And given the people who are behind those cameras, you can imagine the kind of direction that they have in mind. Hmm. It's uh, four minutes after seven. Talking with Eric Peters. Grab another call or two. Again, a lot of of good input from listeners today. Hi. You're on. Who's this? Uh, Hey, it's Peter. I'm wondering if um, there's any vehicles made anymore that are manual two-wheel drive and then that's number one and then number two is if you went back in time what would your what would your choice be for a vehicle that had those two features and preferably of course in a honda or toyota you know i just lost eric i i think we just lost eric for whatever reason uh, so let me see hang on just a second let me see if i can just uh, get him back on okay yeah, just uh, take a second here let me see if i can get it back on hey bill i, I think we got hung up on yeah i think so sorry about that uh i don't know what happened there but uh, let's uh Let's make this happen. Uh, give the question again. I thought they were good questions. So, uh, Eric, my question was whether or not there's a vehicle made anymore today that is two-wheel drive and manual transmission. And, well, I don't know if I, that makes sense, but not no, too outrageously priced. Go ahead. Well, you can still get a, a couple of sports cars that are rear-wheel drive, so two-wheel drive, like the Mazda Miata, the Ford Mustang. There's probably a couple of others, uh, the Toyota Supra, uh, that have manual transmissions. But outside of that, uh, slim to none. There certainly aren't any trucks that I'm aware of. All the half-ton trucks uh, are automatic only. And I think all the smaller ones, except for the Toyota Tacoma, I think the Toyota Tacoma, which is a midsize truck now, uh, you can still get that one with a manual transmission. But that's it. Uh-huh. All right. Appreciate the call. I wish we had better news for you, but of course there are a lot of uh, manual transmission vehicles available on the used market. But even then, uh, when did the automatic really start taking over, Eric? What would you say? I mean, when, when that became like the default these days? Well, it really began to accelerate, I'd say roughly after about the 2015-ish uh, time frame, and that's there's a reason for that. You know, the, the corporate average fuel economy stuff really began to kick up around then, and the reason that's relevant is that an automatic transmission can be programmed to perform best 
on the, the, the test loop that the government uses to determine mileage for regulatory purposes, whereas a manual can't. And that, that provided a big incentive for the manufacturers to ditch the manuals or to put the manuals only in certain trims that are very expensive so as to make it hard for people to buy them so that not many people did buy them. And that's why we're at the, uh, at the impasse that we are today. Eric Peters, epautos.com. Read the site, support it, and uh, by the way, join in the conversation there, too. Eric, what are you going to review next week? Anything in the driveway? Um, I'm thinking it's going to be a Nissan Altima, but I'm not sure. And that's one of the last sedans that's still available, and unfortunately, it's no longer available with a V6. Yeah, uh, an actual car. Wow, who, yeah. who would have thought? All right, we'll yeah. talk about that next Wednesday, okay? You take care. Be Sounds well. good.